You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. I usually come into these podcast tapings with pages of notes and all sorts of matchups and things we're going to talk about and trends and numbers. And today, John Boyle, we don't need a whole lot of numbers. This is just going to be fun, celebrating, reminiscing, telling stories about Pete Carroll and everything that he has done in Seattle. What a ride it has been for Pete and the entire fan base. Yeah, I mean, just a legendary run most successful coach in franchise history brought so many, you know, great memories on the field, did so much for the community and the team. It was just, I was lucky and so were you to be around for every year of this and just to see what it started as to build the way it did and everything that's happened along the way. It's, it's been special to be a part of. He has taught me so much and it is not anything to do with football. It Mm -hmm. is everything to do with off the field and how you treat people and how you approach leadership and how you communicate. But I'm going to be honest, John. I remember exactly where I was when I found out that Pete Carroll was being hired to coach the Seahawks. I was in the frozen food section of a Costco. And I flashed back to that memory when I found out that Pete was not going to be the head coach in 2024. And just thinking about everything that had transpired since then. And I, I think like many people, had questions as to whether Pete's approach at USC would work in the NFL. And I didn't know what to think or what to expect going into year one. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've told this story to people before when they asked me about Pete and – being someone who was familiar with his success at USC and watching it from afar, it was hard to believe everything you saw was authentic when you weren't close to it. It just seemed like too much. He's just so enthusiastic. And so, you know, it just seemed like it was too over the top. And so when he comes here, like a lot of people, you're a little skeptical. I, I was at that age when you think you're smart and you're kind of cynical. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And then he comes in and you're you start to be around it regularly and you're like, no, this is just who he is. Yep. He is really this enthusiastic. He is really this optimistic. And it's the cons- consistency that he provided his players throughout his whole time here that that's what made it work. Yeah, and I would go so far as to say that consistency is important, right? Showing up consistently is important, but it's how you show up that goes a long way towards building culture and Mm -hmm. towards building what he did here with the Seahawks. And it is different. He led with people first. And lots of people say that, you know, you know that people matter and that you wouldn't have a business. You wouldn't have a team without people. But Pete did it in a very different way. But what I am most proud of is, is that we, we took a culture that we developed there in, in those college days and came here to see if you cared for people deeply and you, uh, and you loved them for who they were and tried to find uh, the, the extraordinary uniqueness that made them them and celebrate that and not try to make them something that they're not and not, not to try to expect them to be something other than that, but try to see if we can capture that, that extraordinary uniqueness that they had. Uh, and celebrate that with them, let's see what happens. Well, at SC, we killed it. And uh, we came up here, and overall, we've been successful for a long time. I I didn't think any way that this would happen like this. I didn't have that vision. But I'm grateful for it, because what we have here, we have an extraordinary culture. And uh, um, I'm really proud of that. 
over the years, I've gotten to have a lot of good conversations with Pete. And it was really, so I used to cover the team on the newspaper side and switched to working for the team in 2015. And with that change, I obviously had more access to Pete. And I remember it was probably in 2015, 2016, the first time I'd heard him really kind of lay it out in the way he talked about there. Of, it's not just like, hey, we want to treat people well because we want them to be happy and be, you know, to do the right thing, which is part of it for sure for Pete. But it's also, if you do this and you get the best out of people in everyday life, they will also be better football players, whether it's because they have fewer distractions, bugging them on game day, whether it's just because they're happier in their job and people tend to perform better their jobs in every walk of life when you're happy. This notion of like, if we help people be the best they can be in everything they do, it's going to also make us a better football team. And this was a pretty um, innovative. It was something that pushed the boundaries. I'm not saying that coaches prior to Pete did not care about their players, the way that Pete Carroll cared about his players so openly mm-hmm. was definitely a change across all sports. You see this a lot more now, but that that was something that was innovative and it was outside the box. And I will also say for me personally, again, I work for the team, so we have different access and we have different relationships. But I learned that it was OK to tell people that you cared or that, you know, you saw what they did and that, that you were proud of them. And, you know, it didn't have to be the separation of, you know, this is just sports. Mm-hmm. No, th- these are human beings. This is our lives. We are going through life together. And it just made everything feel like you were family. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time together. Yes, we did. And it was pretty awesome. And Pete talked about not knowing if this was going to work when he came over from USC. So one of my questions to him in the postgame or in his press conference, not postgame, ending press conference, was how did you know when it had taken hold here in the NFL? And he pointed to a game I think we all remember well. There's a moment. It was when we had the opportunity to play uh, New Orleans. You know, we're seven and nine. Everybody's dogging us and all that about, you know, you don't deserve to be there. And they're the world champions. And then we beat them right here. And, and we beat them in fashion, you know, in style. And and uh, I, I think that was that was uh, because we were talking like we were going to win that game, and nobody else thought we could ever win that game. And we went out there and, and put together, you know, a, a, an effort that was. This separated us, I think, and we were never the same from that point forward. So that, that, thank you for reminding me about that. We've heard Pete talk so many times after wins, after games, leading up to games about one of the things he loves about so many teams is the belief, the the fight, the, you know, the fight to the end, all the, you know, call it grit, whatever you want to talk about. And that was, as he laid out, that was kind of one of the first really concrete examples of that is you're the 7-9 playoff team everyone says doesn't belong in the playoffs. You are hosting the defending Super Bowl champs and just – nobody thought they were going to win that game. And then they come out and Matt Hasselbeck gets intercepted, tipped ball first play from scrimmage. You're like, here we go. But man, that was, that was one of, you know, one of the many great memories of covering this team was the way that game went. I was revisiting a conversation I had with Lofa Tatupu recently. Lofa played for him at SC. He played for him again here in Seattle. And Lofa said, you know, Pete just had a way of helping you be better And believe in yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. he saw more potential in you sometimes than you did, but it's that belief. Like, you hit on the word, Pete hit on the word. It's that belief that he just instilled in everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that it comes through in the way that his players talk about him now. Yeah. They still come back. We were talking before we started, actually, and, and hit the record button. It is truly amazing 
to see the former players coming back on the sidelines to watch the very genuine interactions and to think about everything that's transpired and how in the end there is still nothing but love and respect. Yeah. Guys who maybe didn't go out on the smoothest of terms. Richard Sherman is strong, well, a human being as you're going to come across. And I say that in a good way. Got cut after tearing his Achilles, like the harshest business side of this game. And yet he's back here helping coach defensive backs unofficially, but just helping out with guys at camp. He's out there with Pete on the sideline. And there's so many examples. Marshawn Lynch, you know, just all the guys we see, guys like Doug Baldwin, all the guys who live in the area. Sure. Or I said, sure. But Cliff Averill, KJ Wright, just so many guys. And then, you know, people saw it obviously on social media yesterday. He's out last night with a bunch of former players after this big, you know, life altering change today or yesterday, excuse me. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's amazing to see. And if you want to know what a secret to success is, well, he is going to lay it out. He laid it out for all of us. I'm just going to give you this. It, this is hashtag leadership development. So listen to how Pete advises leaders to go about their job. To me, the, the, the essence of being as good as you can be is you got to figure out who you are. And you got to figure out that in, in a um, relentless effort to try and get clear about what what's important to you. What uncompromising principles do you stand by? What makes you who you are? So that if you don't go through that process, you don't do the self-discovery, then you don't have an opportunity to be your best because you don't know who you are yet. And so it's really hard for our young guys because they're just figuring it out. But as they come through our time there, the time they get 25, 26, we see the development. But for anybody, you have to understand what kind of player you are, you understand what kind of coach you are, you understand what kind of person you are, what kind of dad you are, and all the way down the line, to maximize your authenticity and be connected to that true essence of who you are. That's that's what's crucial. Without that, you're going to be sometimes and you're going to be sometimes. That's why people don't, it's hard to be consistently successful. One of my favorite things about this, and this isn't directly what he was saying, but that it reminded me of when he talked about that is, it's a nice lesson to people out there that, you don't necessarily have to have it all figured out when you're 20 years old or 30 years old. Pete Carroll, you go back and look at sometimes he's been asked about his career, and he talked about when he got fired by the Jets, when he got fired by the Patriots. I'm going to make Nassie use a dump button here, but the line he used to love is, I didn't have my shit together. He didn't know exactly what he was doing. Obviously, he knew a ton about football, but the part about the philosophy is being true to who you are, and it was that time he had to take off. It was, you know, he spent a year out of coaching, studied a lot of coaches he admired. He always brings up John Wood and the legendary UCLA basketball coach. And then he went to USC with kind of his philosophies all in order. And that's when his career really took off. He was, what, almost 50 years old in his late 40s when he got that USC job. So it just is kind of a nice reminder that, like, hey, there's still a lot of time for people to to use these lessons and, and figure out how they want to go about their life and their jobs. I would also say this. Leadership principles are similar across the board, right? Mm -hmm. But what Pete also showed people is you can do it your own way. You can put your own spin on things. I mean, that was everything from how we approach practice with music, which, by the way, that was innovative when he did that. Now you don't think twice about it. Teams around the league don't think twice about it. Not Mm -hmm. that everybody does it. But that was a huge deal yeah, when he came Yeah, you would hear player, early in his career, players who played other places first, they're like, yeah, we're out here and there's music blaring. Like, it was this really neat thing. And to your point now, that's very common around the NFL. Yeah, and, and you can do it with your own style and your own way, but you do have to have that conviction and that authenticity because that's how the message gets to the players and that's where the culture comes from. 
When it comes to the players, John, this is um, – I'm really glad that I had tissues close by. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I knew that it was going to be an emotional press conference, and I could not help but tearing, tear up when I heard Pete and the emotion that he showed when talking about his players. To the players that, that have been part of this thing, you don't probably know this, how, how deeply I feel about um, – the NFL is about the players – and uh, we've not recognized that to my satisfaction. I brought it up at the league meetings a few years ago and probably surprised some people about it. But this league is about the players. And without those guys doing what they do, there's nothing. It isn't about the ownership. It's not about the coaching. It's not about the color of the uniforms or the going to the stadium. It's about those guys doing what they do and putting their, their body on the line so regularly. And it's not just a, a statement. It's, it's real. Uh, and to, we should always, I, in my opinion, understand that we should celebrate those guys because they are the NFL. They are this this game that we love and, and the game we get to coach. Who, who would I be coaching, you know? Um, and uh, I have some a lot of thoughts about that, but I really do appreciate it. And to see some of our guys here today, I mean, it means the world. It means the world. I liked later in his press conference when he was asked about that, and he kind of gave like, yeah, I can talk about this because it's sort of that freedom of like, I'm not as beholden to making sure I don't rub any you know, anybody the wrong way. Although, as he said, he brought it up in the league means with owners. So this is not something he's shied away from before, but this is something he's been on for a while in his career of like, more than anything, this league comes down to the players. They are the ones who make the game go. They're the stars of the show. They're the reason fans come out. So he's really always advocated for like, we can do a better job taking care of these guys, whether it's taking care of them while they're playing, or I think more importantly, a point he's brought up a lot is after they're done playing. And that's, you know, it's, I'm not going to dive into all the details of it because we could do a whole two-hour podcast on all that. But it is something that's really been near and dear to his heart for a while. And I'll be curious. I mean, who knows? He may coach again. We don't know what's next for him. But if he is done coaching after this, I could very easily see that being a big passion project for him down the road. Well, and you can just see it in the way that he treats his former players, right? Yeah. You mentioned all the guys who come back to practice. How about the guys that he has on staff, yeah. right? Sometimes it is to give them a leg up in their career, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to to explo- expose them to what it's like to be on the scouting side or the coaching side or whatever it is. Sometimes it's because he knows they still need that connection, mm-hmm. right? And there's a whole bunch of different reasons, but whatever the reason his coaches, many of them have been with him for a very long time, which is why he was just as emotional when thanking them. I'm so grateful to the coaches uh, that have been with us uh, for so many years. Also, all of the coaches that have been here for the years before um, that put up with my stuff and, and uh, found way, you know, to bring it to life daily. And uh, I have great gratitude for that. <laughs> Really, it was really, and I go, I go to the, it's not just the dedication and the loyalty, it's the freaking juice. <laughs> it's bringing it. And I asked a lot of them, and uh, they were good at it, and I appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm so sorry, I'm so heartfully sorry for the families. Um, y'all don't realize how, how deep this runs. Um, you know, it's just going, next coach, next staff, what's going to happen, what's the future, and all that. There's people in this thing, and uh, it breaks my heart that um, so many people get get shocked and adjusted and surprised and all of that and the children and we have so many kids in this organization that we love so much and we celebrate whenever we get our chance um it, it breaks my heart that, that you know we're dealing with that but that's that is what happens and that's part of this business and part of a lot of businesses it's not, not unique just to us and that's a big reason why we, we heard Pete Carroll later in that press conference talk about you know I was fighting to keep coaching and I 
I don't think it, obviously part of it is I, he believes in himself and he thinks he can do a great job. Um, but I think part of it too, is he understands. I mean, he's been around this sport for his whole adult life that when a head coach goes, unfortunately, a lot of other coaches lose their jobs as well. Some coaches will probably stick around, but plenty, and hopefully all of them get other opportunities quickly, but it's a big life adjustment for dozens of people in this building when the head coach is let go or steps down or whatever the case may be. So it's a very tough situation just personally, you know, lives upended, kids taken out of school, all that things. And that's, you know, Pete Carroll really connects on a personal level with these families. So that's hard for him to know that by him being out of this job, it's going to affect a whole lot of people. Yeah, I remember past seasons when you'd ask him about that on what is traditionally known yeah. as Black Monday around the NFL. And he would recount his own experiences. And I think he's talked to coaches on that day before and offered mm-hmm. support and encouragement. So. Now he is offering it to his own staff. And look, they did a lot of awesome things together. We can talk about the philosophies and how we approach things. It led to numbers. Ten postseason appearances under Pete Carroll in 14 years. Eleven seasons they posted winning records. They won the NFC West title five times. They are just one of three teams this century to have played in consecutive Super Bowl games. This has been a very successful run. And when you turn the page... It opens the door and gives some opportunity to John Schneider. And that was a big reason Pete Carroll pointed to this move when he closed out his session with the media. It's why this happened. You want to know? Because I want him to have this chance. It's been 14 years he's been sitting there waiting for his opportunity, and he deserves it. And he's great at what he does. And and now he's he's going to find out. Hopefully I find out, big fella. But, uh, but, um. And he, he deserves this moment, and uh, and I was cheerleading for him. And if there's nothing else that w- was part of this factor, that was the biggest factor for my put. Somebody input. Somebody asked the question, then this, and I, I gave you the answer. It's, it was to help make sure that he could have this opportunity, and he's going to go for it, and I would do whatever I could to help him be successful. Like, make no mistake about it, John Schneider's been a huge part of the Seahawks' success thus far. But Pete Carroll understands, like, he casts a big shadow and ultimately, Pete Carroll was here before John. He was part of the process of hiring John Schneider. So John Schneider's never got to do one of the biggest jobs of most GMs, which is hire a head coach. He's never kind of been the guy at the forefront of this organization just because of the the juice that Pete had, the power he had, the, the just kind of aura of Pete Carroll. So I think Pete Carroll is very excited now to see, like, this is your show, John. Like, let's go out and kick some butt and see what you can do with it and make the most of it. And it's it is a great opportunity for John Schneider and for those of us who have been around him for a decade plus. I think we're all really excited to see who does with it and very confident he's going to do some great things. Going back to what you expected or anticipated when Pete Carroll was hired, how many of us who have worked around sports our entire career, so now we're in two-plus decades of working in sports, anticipated that the relationship between Pete and John would be as solid and as productive and on the surface as smooth and friction-free as possible when that hiring structure took place the way that it did. Oh, there's no way to predict that. And it's not like it's nothing to do with the individual guys. It's just it doesn't work that way in sports. It almost never does. There's a power struggle at some point or, you know, one guy decides he sees things differently philosophically, whatever it is. It. I mean, first of all, ownership will fire coaches or GMs more often than not over the course of a year. Like just for one or the other to get this long of a run is a unique thing in sports, period. And that speaks to the success they've had. 
but just how smoothly it's gone between them. And I'm not saying they've agreed on everything. They haven't, but they've made it work and they've had a lot of success doing it. I, it When it was one of my favorite stories I've written since I've been here was looking back at it 10 years. They were in the playoffs. It was, they were going to Green Bay for a playoff game on what was the 10th anniversary of them both getting hired in a couple day span. So it was fun to look back at that whole thing. But yeah, it's, I mean, they've always referred to it as a marriage and they've told great stories about when they both got hired. They, you know, their family stayed behind in either LA or Green Bay, depending on who we're talking about. But they were out here alone, literally sleeping in the building a lot, just hanging out all the time to talk football, but also just to get to know each other. And it's it's been really cool to see how that developed over the years. Yeah. And I think some of the pictures, maybe you guys have seen some of the videos or when, uh, Pete's been mic'd up or something like that. They do share um, a love of life. They have great senses of humor. They are both very effusive in their praise and in the emotion that they show for the people around them. They are also both very disciplined in their messaging. They are very principled. They share the same values. And it truly has been amazing to watch that, that play out over the last 14 years. You mentioned marriage. I would also say some of that is like parenting, right? Even though I'm not a parent, like the way that they stayed on the same page with their messaging was very important, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't one parent going off doing one thing and the other parent saying something else. Oh, yeah. That's that's big. That, I, that I, there's conversations between that. my wife and I of like, I already told her, no, you can't let her do this. Yeah. Yeah. That never <laughs> happened between Pete and John in the public eye. You can call that marriage or you can call that relationship a marriage and it is a great comparison, but nothing compares to the feeling Pete has for his wife, Glenna. This is worth crying for. (laughs) Um, Glenna, nobody would ever understand how significant she's been through all of the stuff that we've been through and uh, how important she is as as she's just been the angel in my life and uh, I owe you everything. Um, my boys, Brennan and Nate, you guys would have no idea how valuable they've been to me because they were the ones that would give me all the crap about what I was doing wrong and what I was screwing up. They were harsh and, and their critiques were rash and, and the whole thing, it was perfect because I needed that loyalty and uh, they were the epitome of it for me. And I'm uh, forever grateful. They know, they know, but uh, I don't mind saying it to you. Jen just reached in her bag for a tissue while that sound clip was played. This is the one that that I lost Yeah, I mean, that was getting to all of us in the press conference yesterday live and even hearing it back. It's, yeah, and it's true. I mean, that is a very thankless job sometimes being the wife of a head coach in the sport because the demands are so harsh. Um, So it was cool to see Pete honor her and, you know, having his kids, one of whom is still on or was on his coaching staff. The other one's now at Arizona, but was Brennan was with him for a long time here. So uh, family is, it's a very hard job on family, but Pete Carroll's always made a time for family. And we see his grandkids out here playing all that. So it's uh, that moment in the press conference, I think, got to a lot of us. Yeah, and I will point out that Brennan was actually on the Seahawks sidelines for uh, yeah, that season finale him. in Arizona. So I'm sure that that was special. I had caught up with Glenna. I regularly run into her in the hallways after games. And, and she had shared with me at one point that, Pete, we, we had those back-to-back wins, right, in the final minute of the game that was just heart-stopping, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Pete called Glenna after the Tennessee game yeah. and apologized to her that <laughs> she had to be on the edge of her seat for a second See, he tells week. fans to suck it up That's and these right. games are hard, and but I his said, wife Glenna, will apologize. Has that happened? She goes, that has never happened before. But that time, 
That time he felt real bad about Maybe it. Maybe because so. it was Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They are, uh, they are an awesome couple. Glenna will likely get to spend a lot more time with Pete. A little bit more time with Pete? I yeah, I would think I don't a know. lot more. We'll I, I would think a lot more. I, I only hedge that just a little bit because I don't know what's next for Pete. But I do know he still has just as much energy today as he did when I saw him the first time 14 years ago. That's it for now. And uh, I'm freaking jacked. I'm fired up. I'm not tired. I'm not worn down. Uh, you, you guys tried your best. You didn't wear me out. I'm, you know, it's the end of the season. I'm supposed to be, you know, go lay on a cot somewhere. I ain't feeling like that. You know, there's what's coming. I don't know. I got no idea. And I really don't care right now. But uh, I do. Um, I'm excited about it because there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to study. There's some great discoveries that are going to come our way. And as my, my all-time mentor, Bud Grant, said, not in so many words, uh, there's, there's rivers to wade, uh, there's waves to catch, and there's mountains to hike. And uh, it wasn't exactly how Bud said it, but uh, I get it. And uh, that's some cool stuff that we're going to do here. Um, and uh, I look forward to all that. I love that Pete said he's freaking jacked and fired up, which I'm almost positive he used that exact same phrase. 14 years ago in his introductory press conference and has never cooled down from that kind of state of hype. And it's just such a cool part about Pete Carroll. I do worry. I, I don't think he's going to go into full on like relaxed retirement. And if he does, I do worry for Glenna because I just don't know if someone that energetic can just be home and retired. Right. I don't think so. I, he, it, it seems like it might drive her crazy. It so. might. For her sake, I hope he stays a little busy. All right. Well, he <laughs> is expected to have a role with the teams. Yes. Um, we will find out more as uh, as they kind of firm up those plans. But for right now, as Pete said, well, that's, that's it for now. We don't know what happens next. But here's what I promise. When we figure out next steps, when we know what happens next, we'll be back with you. That's when you will hear from us on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.